0: Now what the hell is you looking for? Can a young man get money anymore? Let my pants sag down to the floor Really do it matter as long as I score? Can't my car look better than yours? Can I have a bad bitch without no flaws? come to see me without no draw in a stretch legs with about 10 dollars i was more the p diddy name me pretty did it for the money that can you get with me People welcome to dfs mvp diddy. daily Free fantasy sports diddy. most valuable podcast presented by 4 for 4 football i'm 4 for 4 senior dfs editor chris raybon joined as always by my dude tj hernandez what's good tj
1: What's up, Chris? Just, uh, sitting here getting ready for the final home stretch, last four weeks of, uh, of DFS, at least for regular season, at least. So, uh, getting, getting ready, man.
0: Oh, yeah. Time to get this money. And before we get to the main slate plays by position and the primetime slate breakdown, just want to let you guys know that the song that played us in was Looking at Me by Mace off his 1997 debut album. Harlem world felt like with mace back in the news lately, having a little rap beef with Cameron figured we'd get some mace up on <laughs> DFS MVP. I think this might be our first solo mace song. I know we've had some mace songs with, uh, with P Diddy and them, but mace looking at me, Harlem world, 1997 TJ, who you got a quarterback? Quarterback.
1: Yeah. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, I like Dak Prescott this week. Uh, he's seventy seven hundred on Fandle. He's fifty six hundred on DraftKings. Uh, Dallas got a, a little, a little bit going last week. Definitely on the ground, but uh, Dak still hasn't had that real good game without Zeke yet. But I, I think we see it this week. Dallas is favored uh, by four. They have a twenty three point implied point total which is uh relatively low overall but uh this is a low scoring week especially on the main slate if we look just at the main slate no team is projected to score over 26 uh the giants rank 26 or worse in 4 for 4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position, including 26 versus quarterbacks. And they're the only team uh, in the bottom 10 versus every position. So just all around a, a defense that's really been struggling. Uh, Janoris Jenkins was put on the IR a couple weeks ago, so that obviously downgrades their secondary a lot. Um, we didn't see that come into fruition last week because the Raiders really uh, down down a few key players. Uh but Dak, especially on DK, I really like him against this defense. This is Dak's lowest salary on DraftKings since week two. Uh so always looking to to chase that lowered salary. And I actually think uh Dallas puts up a pretty nice number this week against the Giants.
0: Yeah, the Giants really down a bunch of cornerbacks. They're playing Brandon Dixon and people like that last week. So definitely can see Dak kind of getting off the Schneid, hasn't been putting up many numbers as of late. Another player who's kind of been uneven as of late, but is in a good spot this week is Alex Smith. He is 6,500 on DraftKings, 8,200 over on FanDuel. And in a week where Russell Wilson is going against the league's top pass defense, Alex Smith is probably the closest you're going to get to Russell Wilson's um, production in terms of what he's been accounting for of his team's offense since week four. So essentially after that three week Kareem Hunt explosion, since week four, Alex Smith has accounted for 82.8% of the chiefs total offensive yardage and all 17 of their offensive touchdowns. So Alex Smith has actually kind of been doing what Russell Wilson has been doing. It's just that the Kansas city offense has not been nearly as good as the Seattle offense, but against the Oakland Raiders, that is liable to change. The Raiders ranked 25th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They only have one interception in 398 pass attempts faced, and they've allowed 20 passing touchdowns, so a 20-to-1 touchdown interception ratio for the Raiders. The Chiefs are a home favorite. Their implied total is hovering between 25 and 26 points, so Smith checks the boxes there, and he's been a little more immune to Kansas City's offensive struggles than has somebody like Kareem Hunt. So I I think Smith this week still in a good spot. Doesn't make you as comfortable as it would if he was on a roll like he was earlier in the season. But I think the game against uh, the Giants was one where, you know, he went on the road and it was really – the wind was really affecting him a lot in that game. And Buffalo, you know, they had a tough game against Buffalo as well. But that's a tough defense to play against, more more vulnerable to the run. But Buffalo actually sold out a little bit to stop the run. But I'm not as concerned about Alex Smith and at, at home against the Okra Raiders, a defense that's just really struggled to put up any resistance against the pass, despite having Khalil Mack. It's really, he's just not been able to do it by himself. You can kind of neutralize him. And once you do that, there's really nothing left. For this Oakland Raider pass defense,
1: yeah, I mean, we were talking about it uh, over the past couple of weeks how Pittsburgh was kind of the defense that set the blueprint to uh, slow down Casey, and and in that stretch before uh, the Chiefs had the big game against the Jets last week, um, Oakland was the one team that Alex Smith put up a big number on. He had three forty two and three um, in the right after uh, they faced the Steelers, and then uh it looks like maybe the chiefs might have finally countered uh that that zone scheme that people were were talking about playing against them and also andy Reid turned over play calling so probably uh a couple factors at work there chiefs going back to some more uh vertical vertical routes a lot of tyree kill and we know the raiders have definitely struggled with that so I, i think there's just a lot of things working in the chief's favor i think they might uh kind of be a a bounce back my after everybody's seen them trend down I, i think they could be an offense that catches fire again especially uh with what we saw last week running back so, moving on to uh, running backs. A uh, uh, running back that ranks in the top two uh, projected values on both FanDuel and DraftKings and four for fours uh, value reports is Lamar Miller. He's $6,600 on FanDuel, $5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, Houston is a slight favorite uh, at home against San Francisco. San Francisco ranks 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. Uh, this year and Lamar Miller uh, over the last six weeks, ninth uh, of all in all players in percentage of team touches, including 80% of backfield touches last week. Uh, saw that number kind of steadily increase. Uh, Deontay Foreman was, was, uh, cutting into that a little bit and then last week when Lamar Miller had a really big uh, touch share and Chris something you highlight, highlighted this week in Rayvon's review we, we saw uh, Jordan Howard last week struggle against this 49ers team and one of the reasons you pointed out is just because Howard had been uh, kind of getting uh, phased out of the passing game and that's where San Francisco really struggles that's one of the big uh, contributing factors to their low ranking against running backs and Lamar Miller isn't um, a Le'Veon Bell in terms of catching the ball but he did Uh, run 36 routes last week a lot of people were pointing to Andre Ellington's usage out of the backfield but Lamar Miller actually ran more routes than Andre Ellington last week so he's going to be good for four to five targets uh, a game so that should keep him uh, in the mix in that passing game against the Niners
0: yeah definitely I think Jordan Howard was a play that tripped a lot of people up last week but I think if you look back on it and you can read the Ray Bonds review column where I talk about it more in depth but there were definitely some warning signs kind of pointing to maybe fading Howard a little bit and those same warning signs don't really exist for Lamar Miller this week I got Giovanni Bernard at running back he's essentially our free square or one of the free squares this week Joe Mixon went down on Monday night with a concussion highly unlikely to get cleared by this Sunday for a home game against the Chicago Bears in which the Bengals are six point favorites which is Always what we want for a running back if we can get it. Bernard's only $3,100 on DraftKings and $5,100 on FanDuel because his price did not get a chance to rise. But he did play every snap after Mixon went down, carried the ball 13 times for 77 yards last week. On the season, he's at 4.2 yards per carry on 47 carries. And he's also at 11.3 yards per reception on 21 reception. So he's been able to be efficient this year in his limited work and now he's going to get a chance to carry the load for the first time in a while and it's really just that his price is so low especially on DraftKings where he's 3,100 that that's really what you're what you're hanging your hat on as far as playing him this week the matchup isn't amazing the Bears actually rank sixth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two running backs but Again, when you have a situation like this where you can see a guy get upwards of 20 touches um, potentially and he's at minimum price, you just have to take that especially in cash games.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he just kind of highlights what this uh whole week uh, really sets up as and that's just a value week with with Pittsburgh not on the main slate again. That takes two of the the toughest des- decision points off the board and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, they, they usually take up so much salary, but uh, there's just a lot of value all around. And, and Giovanni Bernard, like you said, is that free square and it's going to lead to uh, just a lot of flexibility in general in lineups this week. It's going to be, it feels like it's going to be one of those few weeks where there's just relatively flat ownership. Nobody with huge implied point totals on the main slate. And uh, yeah, just, just lots of flexibility in lineups this week
0: wide receiver
1: moving on two wide receivers uh, as always we're going to do one FanDuel wide receiver one DraftKings wide receiver and and uh, the wide receiver I like on FanDuel this is a little bit off the board but as I mentioned I, I'm, I'm looking at these cheaper plays this week and uh, Marquise Goodwin I think is a really interesting play I like this I kind of like this whole offense this week the San Francisco 49ers offense uh, and and Jimmy Garoppolo's first start Goodwin saw eight targets that tied the, the second most of the year Uh, for Goodwin. That accounted for about 22% of the 49ers targets. They haven't really had that go-to target uh, since Pierre Garceau went out. It's pretty much been uh, Carlos Hyde, but uh, we're always looking for these trends when we see uh, a new quarterback take over and and what wide receivers he's looking at. So I think that's something we could definitely hang our hat on there. Uh, Goodwin's accounted for about 30% of of the 49ers air yards this season. That's on par with players like Tyreek Hill and Brandon Cooks. We know he's going to have that uh, big, playability because of his speed, but Goodwin's also been the 49ers primary red zone target. He just hasn't been able to convert those looks because the Niners have, uh, between Hoyer and and CJ Bathar, there's haven't, they've been one of the worst teams in the red zone at, at converting those looks. But if we look at, uh, red zone expected value, which just, basically calculates how much a, a player should be scoring basis based on where their red zone opportunities are coming from. Uh, Goodwin ha- should have almost three red zone touchdowns. He has zero this year. So uh, that's another factor. I think Jimmy Garoppolo can help uh, normalize a little bit. And then of course, uh, facing that Houston secondary, only two teams have allowed a higher touchdown rate through the air uh, overall and over the last six weeks of the season. And over that time span, just one team has allowed more fantasy points per pass attempt. So So I like getting what looks like to be Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, primary receiver going into the week and then i, I mentioned i like des i like the entire uh, i like dak so naturally i'm gonna like des bryant his primary target uh des is priced down a little bit on DraftKings at 5900 i i mentioned with dak that the giants are going to be without a, a couple cornerbacks namely janoris jenkins and janoris jenkins has been a nightmare for des bryant so to not have jenkins on the field is a huge bump for des and and does usually, uh, especially this year, been looking at at that uh, those red zone targets? But over the last six weeks, only DeAndre Hopkins has a higher target share than Des Bryant. So. uh, what what we haven't seen since Dak took over is Des just dominating targets for uh, Dallas, but that's kind of come into fruition the last couple of weeks. And, of course, like I mentioned, Des is going to give you those red zone targets, fourth and red zone targets on the season, uh, third and red zone target share. And, again, just to reiterate that implied point total isn't high, but nobody has a very high implied point total this week.
0: Yeah, and I like that Goodwin play a lot. I've been playing a lot of Marquise Goodwin these past few weeks in tournaments and he's actually gone over sixty-eight yards in four straight games in five of his last six and uh he's actually been over that in, in six of his last eight as well so he's coming on as the, the number one target and you know I think I think he's in a really good spot and another thing about that matchup is Houston is prone to giving up deep balls. They their average up to target allowed is nine Point four yards that's tied for the third highest in the week so that matchup kind of sets up well for marquis goodwin as well mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean definitely think that could be a, a def- sneaky play he's not going to show up super high in any any value reports just because he's not a high medium guy but uh he can really explode here
0: most definitely and for me i got speaking of explosions josh gordon he's 5500 on DraftKings. came back 11 targets Last week, J.J. Zacharyson, late-round quarterback or late-round QB on Twitter, mentioned that Gordon was the only other receiver besides Odell Beckham to put up 85 yards on this Chargers secondary, and he did it after a three-year hiatus. And, you know, I think this week Gordon set up really well. Again, the Green Bay Packers are actually the best matchup, according to schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, two wide receivers, and they just put Kevin King on injured reserve. King was their rookie cornerback, probably their most physical cornerback um, in terms of being able to match up with Gordon. So this is it's going to be a problem for this Green Bay secondary. They're going to struggle against him. Deshaun Kaiser targeted Gordon, as I mentioned, 11 times, and those 11 targets accounted for 48% of Cleveland's air yards. If that was sustained over a full season, that would actually weed the league. So Josh Gordon was a, a target monster, kind of did exactly what we expected him uh, to do coming back off the, uh, off the long hiatus. And I think this week he can really get it going against this Green Bay secondary. And then on FanDuel, DeAndre Hopkins, he's 8,600. And I think he's still worth it. 12.6 targets per game in Tom Savage's last five starts. Hopkins has had... Single-digit Fanduel points only once all season, and he's never done so in a Tom Savage start. So, again, we've talked about this on the podcast and other places, but it seems like Brock Osweiler was really DeAndre Hopkins' kryptonite. He's been able to perform with a bunch of other uh, middle-of-the-road quarterbacks, such as Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, and now Tom Savage. So, I wouldn't hesitate to roll Hopkins out. Just getting a ridiculous amount of usage. Um, red zone targets, everything you could hope for in a wide receiver. I think he's definitely worth that, uh that high price tag on whichever site you're playing at.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited that uh it's already Josh Gordon time, just two weeks in. I, I had, I, I, I wasn't sure how to take the read last week on his first week. Obviously, there's so many question marks, but I made a few five dollar lineups in big tournaments just to have some Josh Gordon exposure, and now it's exciting to, to be able to. He's he's definitely cash game viable at this point, so that's going to be really fun. Especially because, like again, we don't have Antonio or Julio on the main slate, so you're getting like uh, elite level play at a discount price. That's really exciting.
0: Titan. Uh,
1: moving on two tight end i mentioned that at a lot of positions we we don't really have anywhere where you feel like you need to pay up uh so at tight end i, I think you could probably afford to pay up for travis kelsey if if you uh if you desire uh gronk is suspended it looks like zach ertz is going to be out with a concussion so there really isn't uh that uh, elite tight end to compete with he, he could be head and shoulders above the field uh eight thousand dollars on FanDuel, 7400 on DraftKings. even uh with that high salary he still projects that Four for four's top value on both sites, Uh, and obviously he's just been one of the most dominant players at his position this year. No tight ends accounted for a higher target share over the past six weeks. Uh, like you mentioned with Alex, Kansas City's favored by four over the Raiders at home with the second highest implied point total of the week. And uh, the Raiders rank outside the top 20 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And Another one of those defenses that you could just kind of attack from uh, all uh, positions and and probably going after their best player on offense is a really good idea when you could afford to do so.
0: Absolutely. A Kelsey in another smash spot this week. He's another one that's really been immune to Kansas City's struggles on offense over these past few weeks, been pretty consistent over that span. And if you're paying down, Steven Anderson, the tight end for the Houston Texans, he's going to start now that CJ Fedorowicz is on the injured reserve. One of their other tight ends, Ryan Griffin, already on the injured reserve. So Anderson. He actually got 12 targets last week. And anytime you have a player that's just 3,200 on DraftKings and min price on FanDuel, with that kind of target upside, even if that's not obviously going to be his median projection, that kind of upside, I think you have to to look into it. And he's a, a viable punt play at the position, especially at a position where we do like to pay down when we can to try to get other guys in the lineup. I know it's not as important this week because we do also have Giovanni Bernard, but Steven Anderson is your quintessential pass catcher at tight end, 80th percentile, 40 yard dash, according to playerprofiler.com. And, you know, this is a guy, you know, 80th and uh, 90th percentile and a bunch of other metrics as well. You can see on that site burst score, agility score, catch radius. So just a really good catcher of the football. And he should get some opportunities against San Francisco who in their last four games has allowed four touchdowns to tight ends. And that kind of coincided with their safety Jaquiski Tart going down for the season. He was really helping the team limit production to opposing tight ends. And once he went down, San Francisco was kind of reverting to more of a league average team versus the position. So if you're looking to save some salary at the tight end position, I think you really have to look into Steven Anderson of the Houston Texans who's going to – be thrust into a starting role this week
1: yeah and uh last week anderson uh second highest target share among tight ends to only gronk and uh like i mentioned a little bit earlier when you get that that backup player with a, a backup quarterback a lot of times we just see these uh connections click we've we've talked about it so many times in the past on the pod and this could be one of those situations so i uh, i like that a lot and it's just uh it's an interesting week because a lot of Uh, A lot of weeks, especially at tight end, we've had such a a dominant core of tight ends that uh, the chalk's really been concentrated towards these expensive tight ends, and it's really been hard to go uh, too much further down. This week, we got Kelsey at the top and Anderson all the way at the bottom. So we got this this big abyss of tight ends that aren't really priced that close to what looks like are going to be the chalk tight ends. So I think it's going to be an interesting week in roster construction, especially at that position, because if you if you go away from the chalk, you can uh you could pretty easily go overweight on your favorite guys without having too high ownership outside of these two. So I think that sets up for some really interesting game theory uh in GPPs. Defense. Go ahead. We'll move on to uh, my defense of the week. We have two teams favored by six points on the main slate, Uh, the Chargers and the Bengals. I actually like the Chargers a little bit more. They're uh, a little bit more expensive than the Bengals, and they're projected to allow more points than the Bengals, but I think they're in a better spot to generate fantasy points. Uh, They're they're $5,100 on FanDuel, $3,600 on DraftKings. Washington ranks 24th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing uh, defenses, and I, I really like looking at the offensive line versus defensive line matchups uh and the chargers are six in adjusted sack rate this year that's a a football outsider statistic that we've quoted quite a bit that encompasses basically all pressure stats uh defensive line and offensive line generates and then on the other side of the ball um the Redskins rank uh, seventh worst in adjusted sack rate allowed. So uh, a defensive line that could get after the quarterback versus an offensive line that's allowed people to get after the quarterback. And then uh, over the last six weeks, Chargers have really been pointed on third highest interception rate in the league. Uh, fewest fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So it looks like Chargers are in a really good spot to to hopefully generate a couple turnovers, maybe a pick six if we're lucky. And I really like them here.
0: Yeah, the Redskins, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries on the offense. You know, Chris Thompson went down, Terrell Pryor out for the year. Some injuries along their offensive line as well. They've actually allowed double-digit points to opposing fantasy defenses in for the past six weeks as well. So it's actually a pretty sneaky good matchup for the Chargers here. And I'm going with their kicker as well. I think we had the Chargers kicker in D last week as well. And um, this week, it's Travis Kuntz. He replaces Nick Novak and thus is at minimum price still, despite hitting four or five field goals and one of one PATs last week. He is our top value at kicker at 4-for-4. And that is because the Chargers have a 26-point implied point total. That's one of the highest of the week. And the Redskins rank 28th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed Two kickers. So, an all around good spot for Travis Coons, and you're able to get that minimum priced kicker in your cash game lineups, which is always a plus. Let's move on to the prime time slate. The pricing does match the main slate, the full slate pricing on both sites. We have two games. We have on Sunday night, the Steelers are uh, five point favorites over the Baltimore Ravens right now as we record this on Wednesday night. So that implied total would be 24.25 Pittsburgh versus 19.25 for Baltimore. And then on Monday night, we have the New England Patriots, 11-point favorites uh, against the Miami Dolphins. That would be an implied score of 29-18 to 18 in favor of the New England Patriots. So we can start at quarterback, and it's pretty – Simple. I mean, Tom Brady's obviously the top play, the highest implied point total going against this Miami defense. The only knock on Brady, of course, is he will be without Rob Gronkowski, but they do have a ton of weapons to spread that around. And as you see, the implied point total is still pretty high. So, especially for them uh, being on the road, so no real worry as far as um, what you know Gronk's absence, what it's going to mean to them in this game. So TJ, I guess, you know, regarding the other quarterbacks, is Ben Roethlisberger kind of the clear second play, you know, second best option here? And are you touching any of the uh, other quarterbacks, Flacco and uh, Cutler or Cutler?
1: Um, I mean, on paper, I think Roethlisberger is going to look like the the second best quarterback. I'm I'm a little worried about Pittsburgh in this divisional game. I mean we saw obviously they were on the road last week. This one's at home, but they're coming off a, a really tough game and a short week. I mean, uh granted this one is in prime time too, but they played on Monday night against the Bengals and I mean that that game was brutal and I don't know uh how Quickly, they bounce back from that physical game. Baltimore ha- is is a really really good pass defense, but at the same time, uh, Roethlisberger's been on a tear as well. He's actually tied with Tom Brady in terms of fantasy points per pass attempt over the last uh, six weeks. But there there just really isn't a, a good matchup outside of Miami in this one. Miami is the only defense that ranks outside the uh, the top sixteen and uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Like you said, it is kind of Brady and everyone else, but. Um, I I think it has to be Roethlisberger and, and I mean Miami's offense uh is is just not one that I'm interested in touching. New England's actually really stepped it up uh recently. They've allowed the third fewest fantasy points per pass attempt over the last six weeks. I think a lot of people probably still have that early season in their mind where New England's really struggling against the pass, but they've they've shorted up quite a bit. Um and whereas Pittsburgh was Quite run heavy early in the year, uh, especially near the goal line. If we looked at at neutral game script over the last six weeks, Pittsburgh's actually been uh, the fourth most pass heavy team. So, yeah, I mean, all those things considered, I think Ben is my number two guy. I'm a little interested in, in just flacco from a game theory perspective because i don't think people are going to be targeting him but he did have his best game of the season last week and and pittsburgh has allowed the eighth most fantasy points for pass attempts over the last six weeks um i, I just think everybody's going to be on brady and roethlisberger and i, I do want to switch it up a little bit in some spots i just don't think cutler is is necessarily where, where i want to go with that so if i'm rolling out say uh, 50 lineups maybe five of them will be flacco lineups
0: yeah, I think Flacco's a better play than Cutler in this game. The New England pass defense, as you mentioned, has really stepped it up. And the New England defense as a whole, I mean, they're just not allowing points anymore. After after those four, first four weeks of the season, they've been, I believe, they're still under 14 points a game allowed since then. Mm-hmm. So they're, they've stepped it up. It's going to be a really tough matchup for Jay Cutler. I think Pittsburgh's defense without their Mike linebacker and Ryan Shazier, in there, that that always has kind of an outsized effect on a defense. Think about somebody like Sean Lee with the Dallas Cowboys when you remove that one piece, and it's kind of like removing more than one piece because that linebacker a lot of times he's calling the plays and getting the defense set and and reacting to the audibles that are being called at the line and whatnot. So I do think that Pittsburgh's defense could be somewhat vulnerable. To, to to quarterback it remains to be seen if Flacco can exploit that but I certainly do think he's a better play than Cutler in terms of the pass catchers again we have Antonio Brown he's kind of the far and away top option especially because the Baltimore Ravens are not going to have their top cornerback in this game Jimmy Smith he's out for the season with an Achilles injury so that really ups antonio brown's matchup a lot and as you probably well know by now antonio brown just a monster at home 69 percent of his career receiving touchdowns have come at home and this is a home game for the pittsburgh steelers they also will be without their uh, number two wide out juju smith schuster it looks like due to a suspension so that could mean even more targets for Antonio Brown probably see Martavis Bryant again in that number two wide receiver role with Eli Rogers in the slot, but we you know the targets are going to kind of go to Brown first and foremost. So TJ, what about among the other wide receivers? You know, not the non-Antonio Browns. Um, does anyone in particular stick out?
1: Yeah, I I think that uh, I just mentioned that I I don't necessarily um, like. Jay Cutler, but I I think maybe having one of his pass catchers in a a correlated uh, game where where they're going to be forced to throw is a good idea. We've talked about it quite a bit in the past where you you can take one pass catcher from an opposing offense, even if that quarterback doesn't do well, um, they can still succeed. And I, I think for me, that quarterback is Kenny Stills now this earlier in the year this was one of the most concentrated passing offenses in the league that's something I always like to look at where these targets are are they spread out or they concentrated and uh Kenny Stills has been trending up he's actually surpassed Devontae Parker in terms of target share over the last six weeks and if the Dolphins are forced to throw like I mentioned I think they they will be more than they want to uh then I think Stills is the one that I'm going to go after I mean Landry's dink and dunk in a game where they're uh where they're probably going to be behind by a lot is not uh, a play that I'm necessarily looking to target if I'm looking for those garbage time points. And then uh, Baltimore, they're they're one of the least concentrated offenses in the league, especially with with Woodhead back. Uh, There just isn't a a lot of rhyme or reason to where they're going to go with their receivers. So if you are uh, trying to roster that passing game, you're you're probably going to be uh, just kind of throwing darts at at their their wide receiver core and spreading them throughout your uh your lineups but you're not really gonna be overweight on them like I would with someone like Stills. And then I think maybe a sneaky play here with Gronk Out is uh Amendola because the only time he really has succeeded is with Gronk out. Now Hogan is back at practice so you do have to take that account. If Hogan ends up playing then uh you probably have to scratch that idea. But I, I don't think it's the worst idea because Baltimore uh um I'm sorry um uh, Brandon cooks is, is going to be a little bit more of a boomer bust play, even though he has, uh, kind of seen that uptick in targets, but, uh, with, with Gronk out and maybe Hogan out, I think Amendola is a, a interesting sneaky play.
0: Yeah. And if Hogan plays, I think Hogan is a sneaky play. He is mm-hmm. actually second in the team in red zone targets and in targets inside the 10 and he's missed four games. So mm-hmm. Hogan has a lot of touchdown upside I do like I like Jarvis Landry more than the the boundary receivers for the Dolphins simply because I think Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler have been playing really well lately and last time these two teams played Landry did still catch I believe it was eight passes so it seems like the wing was okay with kind of giving that up um I don't I don't foresee much success though for for that Dolphins passing game at, at all and then for Baltimore it's kind of interesting because Mike Wallace has been the most productive wide out of late for the ravens but he also runs the most he projects to run the most routes against pittsburgh's best corner and Artie burns and then on the other side they have cody sensiball so he's already given up four touchdowns this year so a lot more burnable now all these baltimore receivers do move around a bit but while it's going to see the most time on burns most likely that would be better for jeremy macklin or maybe even somebody like chris moore who has overtaken brashad uh, Perriman. If you need a real dart throw at tight end, it's looking like Dwayne Allen because Gronk is out. Miami giving up the second most schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position, and it's really, it's really kind of ugly at tight end. It's been a theme in some of these prime time slates as of late. But I mean, you mentioned Baltimore spreads it around, so Ben Watson, you don't know what you're going to get. He's kind of a shot in the dark. Julius Thomas going against the Patriots defense that ranks. First in schedule adjusted fantasy points, allowed to tight ends, and Jesse James is you know really just hoping for a a red zone score with him, which is possible given the fact that Juju Smith Schuster is also very involved in the red zone. Is going to miss the game, so um. But overall, just kind of a ugly ugly slate at the at the tight end position at running back. It looks like you know uh, are you willing to go with Le'Veon Bell in the lineup with with, with Antonio Brown, uh, the Baltimore Ravens are actually the worst uh, of any AFPA, any schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, ranking uh, their worst versus running backs. They rank 16th. So is that a player that you're kind of trying to jam in this week, or are you going to go with some of the value options and mix and match?
1: Yeah, I mean that's another reason, uh, going back to quarterback why I do like having some Flacco lineups. It, it allows you to get to a Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown combo um a little bit easier. I think you could do it with Ben Roethlisberger. I haven't built too many lineups yet, but it's gonna be pretty ugly at the other positions. I I tweeted out last week at the end of, of the Monday night game that uh the uh that Antonio Brown and and Le'Veon Bell are the only combination of players that have counted for over 60% of their, uh, team's yards from scrimmage last week. It was 74. So even if the overall team projection is a little low against a tough Baltimore defense, their individual projection as a a chunk of that offense is going to be so much higher. And then you take out a piece like Juju Smith, Smith Schuster, and then just leave, uh, uh, Martavis Bryant, who's a little more sporadic, and and you have to think that that number is gonna be around that sixty-five to seventy percent number. So I do like jamming them in together. Um, after that, I, I think Kenyon Drake looks like the best value. The issue is his big game last week came in really great game script, and obviously Miami's not gonna be in that positive game script. If I'm if I'm playing on DraftKings, probably what I want to do is uh have drake as my second highest owned running back but that's only because i'm probably going to be flip flopping my shares of uh rex burkhead and Dion lewis both have 15 touches in back-to-back weeks um after the i don't know if everyone remembers three weeks ago burkhead was kind of the chalk against oakland then he had a fumble and then they brought him back in and he had a drop in the red zone and just didn't get that workload but they're they're back to kind of a, a three-headed monstrous in terms of snaps, Burke and Lewis over the last couple weeks, they've pretty much split touches down the middle, just uh, both with 15 touches and back to back weeks after uh, Burkhead had had a game against Oakland where he fumbled and uh, then ended up coming back in, having a drop in the red zone. And, and that really ruined a week where he was. Pretty much the chalk play and expected to kind of take over a lead role, but uh, New England is back to kind of a, a three headed monster in terms of touch share, but Burkhead and Lewis are. Clearly leading the way in terms of uh, touches, and Burkhead's getting uh, quite a few more targets than Lewis. So I, I think probably the way I'm going to manage that is having as much Bell as possible. That at least in terms of what salary allows, and then uh, mixing in uh, shares of Burkhead and Lewis with Kenyon Drake, depending on what position I play in the flex.
0: Yeah, I actually I think I like Burkhead is the second the top running back on the slate outside of Bell mm-hmm. just because um, if you look at New England's implied total, it's 29 it's they're expected to score a lot of touchdowns and over the last three weeks New England has run 15 plays in the red in the inside the 10 yard line excuse me and Burkhead has a carry or a target on seven of them Lewis only three so Burkhead has been the guy in the red zone when they when they can when they substitute so sometimes Lewis will still get work if they're doing the hurry up and they don't want to substitute, but sometimes like Lewis will carry the ball. And if he gets down to the one or something and they can substitute, they've been bringing in Burkhead to kind of close the deal. So in a game where New England's implied to score 29 points, I like Burkhead just for the touchdown upside. I think all the backs are kind of really close. You can count on Lewis to get 10 to 15 carry. That's what he's been between every game since week six, no more, no less. And uh, James White actually had a season, uh, like a six, seven week high in snaps and touches last week so he's kind of that wild card that you can throw in a gpp perhaps he gets more work with gronk being out you never know exactly what belichick is going to do with these targets and how he's going to kind of distribute the playing time so it's kind of a shot in the dark but again the patriots expected to score a lot of points miami's defense not very good so unless new england kind of has a wet-down, road-game, trap-game type of situation here. I think we're going to see maybe even two of their running backs hit value, especially on DraftKings. For what it's worth, Burke had actually 15 or more DraftKings points in four of his last five games. So uh, he's been productive as well. Deion Lewis has been running the ball well. Uh, Again, 10 to 15 carries per game. He's been over 90 yards in each of the last two games, including 112 yards against the Miami Dolphins so there's a lot of ways you could go at running back I think Alex Collins he's playable as well especially with with Ryan Shazier being out that's going to hurt the middle of their defense and Collins has actually averaged 19.3 touches per game since Danny Woodhead has come back three games ago so a lot of options kind of in a similar price range but of course Le'Veon Bell's that guy that's going to stand above the rest he has the monster upside there and at defense we have the Patriots and the Steelers as the two favorites the Ravens and the Dolphins as the two underdogs TJ any of these defenses stand out more than the other
1: yeah as I mentioned uh, Patriots up near the top in terms of of fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks per uh, fantasy points per attempt allowed to quarterbacks Uh, not allowing a lot of points lately since week four or five, like you mentioned. So I I think they're probably the pretty clear defense. Also, uh, the best matchup in terms of of adjusted fantasy points allowed. Miami ranks 30th in that category.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's Patriots over Steelers for me, especially, as you mentioned, Steelers coming off that really brutal game. A lot lot of physicality there, missing a key player in Shazier. I think that the Patriots have kind of taken over that you know, they're probably playing, you know, as good or better than the Steelers were earlier in the year on defense. You mentioned the Steelers kind of sinking a little bit in terms of what they're giving up to quarterbacks and whatnot. So, and and the loss of Joe Hayden has actually hurt the Steelers too. Cody mm-hmm. Sensible getting roasted a little bit on the outside as well. So there's going to be some missing pieces for this Steeler defense that could, could hurt them or at least um, stop them from getting as many, uh, making as many plays as they usually do, though Joe Flacco on the road always liable to have a, an abomination of a game himself. So you definitely want some exposure to the Steelers if you're playing a lot of lines, but I don't think they're near the Patriots in terms of you know being being the top play on the slates. Let's get into our uh, lineup for this week on DraftKings. Uh, start off with your pick, TJ. Who you got?
1: Well, we're building a lineup here on DraftKings, and I just noticed that Jay Cutler and Joe Flacco are both priced below Brian Hoyer on the uh, <laughs> on the slate, which is just funny because we got two starters behind a backup. Uh, I'm going to go with that salary-saving option just in case we decide we want to stack those expensive Steelers. Um, I'm going to start up at the top and go cheap Joe Flacco and see where that can get us.
0: All right, I'm going to go with Antonio Brown.
1: Antonio all right, well, if, if we're playing Flacco, the only reason, I assume, is to get Antonio and Le'Veon. So Levion Bell it is.
0: All right. So we got Flacco, Bell, Brown. Let's go with... Let's make this challenging. Let's go Brandon Cooks.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So now we only got 38.80 per player remaining with... Five players, running back, wide receiver, tight end, flex, and defense.
1: Uh, If I'm going to play Joe Flacco, I think probably I'm the one, at least one of his pass catchers on my team. Um, And even though it's a small edge, like you mentioned, Macklin has been playing the best, and he does slightly lead the team in target share over the past six weeks. So I, I'm going to go Jeremy Macklin. All
0: right. Now we got... Thirty-eight twenty-five with four players remaining. I'll go ahead and lock in that Patriots defense. So now we got All an right. even four thousand average remaining for running back, tight end, flex.
1: All right. Yeah, the, you're right. You did make this quite challenging for us. <laughs> Well, we definitely need to put in a running back here. Um, obviously, we have the flex can be either position. So I'm going to look at these uh, cheapest running backs. Uh, the Patriots are a bit of a three-headed monster, like we mentioned. And I think taking the cheapest option available, which is James White, who is $2,000, 2200 less than Deion Lewis, 2300 Four hundred less than I'm sorry, twenty-three hundred less than Rex Burkhead. Um, I mean, we're getting equal snaps at a pretty big discount. So I'm plugging James White here.
0: All right. So now we got forty-two hundred. So eighty-four hundred remaining for tight end and uh, a flex. So let's see. We can go. So we can. The most expensive tight end is Julius Thomas. Dwayne Allen is twenty seven hundred. That would leave us with fifty seven hundred. Hmm. Or you know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put in Verkhead and let you choose a min price tight end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're doubling up on, on uh Patriots running backs? Yep. I actually, I actually thought about that when we were talking about the running back position because, like I mentioned, we've seen two, two Patriots running backs get fifteen touches each back to back games. With game flow situations, it could be that two Patriots running backs out touch either Kenny On Drink or Alex Collins. So maybe on the slate, that isn't as crazy as it sounds, and it gives us, it, it gives us a. Kind of a a passing game stack without Gronk. I mean, Cooks, White, and Burkhead. That could be a lot of the Patriots' targets in a high-scoring game. So that leaves us with uh, tight ends. um, No starting tight ends available.
0: Nope. I mean, you you got Vance McDonald, who's practiced fully on Wednesday. So I assume he's going to be back. He was catching. He was getting like two or three targets per game. You have Nick Boyle. For the Ravens, who actually appeared in the winning lineup on one of these primetime suites, even though he only scored, I think it was like 1.9 that in Week 12 against Houston. Um, so, mm-hmm. so he's also, he's got, he had three targets last game. He would fit with the stack of, uh, uh stack of, a flacco <laughs> stack, um, as would... I like...
1: I like a flacco stacko. If we do a, a Ravens game stack from now, we should call it a flacco stacko. Yeah, I mean, all he has to do is score. And, and like I said, that Baltimore, uh, that that passing game is one of the least concentrated in the league. Uh, so they're, if they do get in close, I mean, it, it's one of those spots we see these backup tight ends kind of vulture sometimes. So why not? Uh, Hail Mary, like you said, he's been in a winning lineup on this slate before. So... Throw a dart, uh, definitely gonna give us a unique lineup.
0: Oh man, so this is interesting. Flacco, Bell, White, Antonio Brown, Brandon Cooks, Jeremy Macklin, Nick Boyle, Rex Burkhead, and the Patriots. I like it actually. I think it's a you know it's using up all the salary. It's you know you got you got you got the Patriots in there without having to get pay up for Brady, and uh, you got a kind of unique Flacco stack. And you know you do have a backup tight end in there. But remember, like I said, Steelers are missing. Their middle linebacker and Ryan Shazier, their best, you know, kind of running, you know, linebacker that can cover a bit. So um, we never know. We could see Boyle maybe get into the end zone or something. So go ahead and enter that into the DraftKings NFL 625K Sunday night spectacular and see how it goes. Let's wrap it up now with our bold calls of the week tj who you got for a a team bold call
1: for a team bold call i'm gonna go with a a score seattle's implied to score just over 18 points but uh they've been on fire russell wilson's been on fire and uh we have seen jacksonville give up uh multiple touchdowns in in two of three games uh gave up over 20 points to blaine gabbert just missed 20 point game by philip rivers I'm going to say Seattle's the, the second team to score at least 30 on Jacksonville this year.
0: I like it. I think Russell Wilson's going to go pretty low on considering, you know, given how many fantasy points he's been scoring these mm-hmm. last, this whole season, essentially. So I do like it. From my bold call, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns getting their first win. I think they can get this win at home against Brett Hundley and the Packers. I don't think the game... We'll get away from them, and I think with Josh Gordon now in a in a great matchup going against, as I mentioned, a team that is really struggling at the cornerback position and down a bunch of bodies as well. I think that this Cleveland offense is going to be a little better. They actually played solidly against the Chargers for for most of that game last week until the end, where there was a couple of turnovers when they were trying to get back in the game. But uh, and the defense also played well. They they held the Chargers, I believe it was four, yeah, four field goals last week as well. So Chargers only had one touchdown on the day. So I think Cleveland's defense played playing a little better. Cleveland's offense, boost from Gordon. I think they get their first win at home against the Green Bay Packers this week kind of throw a wrench into those playoff plans for Green Bay.
1: Yeah, I I like that call a lot. Like I mentioned, any anything that involves Josh Gordon, I'm I'm for. So <laughs> I'd love to see them get going a little bit. I mean, let's go Browns. Let's go Josh Gordon. Uh my player bold call of the week. Uh, I mentioned that I I like the 49ers uh, in the spot against Houston quite a bit. Jimmy Garoppolo just barely missed a 300-yard game uh, last week against a a pretty good Chicago defense. He didn't score a touchdown, but has a really soft uh, Houston defense that they're facing this week. San Francisco struggled in the red zone, but when they have got scoring opportunities, they're, they're top 10 in terms of passing rate inside the red zone so they do want to throw There's have had anyone that's been able to do it uh so with this matchup i'm gonna say jimmy garoppolo is a top five fantasy quarterback this week
0: i like it you know i felt the same last week and he did mm-hmm. throw for the 293 yards they actually settled for five red zone field goals as you mentioned and houston though allowing 71.4 percent Of opponents red zone drives to end in touchdowns over the past three weeks that's tied for fourth worst in the NFL so those field goals last week could easily turn into touchdowns this week I I like Jimmy Garoppolo I think he's looks like the real deal so far really haven't seen him play a bad football game yet in his career with the Patriots or now the 49ers for my bowl call kind of follows what my team prediction was but I'm saying Deshaun Kaiser will also be a top five Quarterback this week again. I think you know he missed a couple of throws to Josh Gordon, uh, a throw that he could have had a touchdown on to him, in my opinion, last week. And against this defense, you know, dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to to wide receivers. I think that Kaiser and Gordon can kind of hook up, and Gordon can can pull Kaiser uh to to a big yardage number, get him a couple scores. And we all, we also know that Kaiser does have that rushing upside as well. So I think he able to get himself into the top five this week
1: yeah i like that one a lot too i think that